You're listening to the Trace Church Rock Rimmon podcast. So yesterday we uh, get home from the trunk or treat. How many of you guys participated in our trunk or treat yesterday? Yeah, it was an awesome time. I get home with my two younger daughters and my four-year-old Madison. We get home. And I'm like, hey, sweetheart, you can take off your costume. And she's like, no. And I'm like, well, you can take it off. She goes, no, I'm going to keep it on until tonight. I'm like, you want to go out again? She goes, yeah, Dad, today, that was a fake Halloween. She was like, it wasn't dark. We didn't knock on any doors. It wasn't real. I'm like, all right. So for all of, the, all of you that helped us pull off a fake Halloween yesterday, thank you so much because we thought it was a great event. Yeah, let's give it up for everybody that participated. Where if you're joining us for the first time today, uh, we're doing what we call a standalone sermon. And we typically save these for times where we feel like it's very timely and potentially even time sensitive. Is anybody aware that we have an election coming up this Tuesday? Yeah. And so today we're going to be talking about politics. And more specifically, we're going to be talking about faith and politics. Now, if, you, <laughs> if you've heard the old adage, like the, the two things you don't bring up at a dinner party are religion and politics, then yeah, you probably get the tension that is revolving around this subject. But we're not a dinner party, and we believe this is a very important subject that we feel like the church should be handling. But if you're here for the first time, or maybe you're tuning in for the first time online, let me go ahead and introduce myself. My name's Aaron, and I'm one of the pastors here. And I would let you know this, that um, we, we take very carefully, like we hold carefully in our hands subjects that we know have a lot of opinions are, but at the same time, we don't hold back the boldness and the candor in which we believe the scripture speaks specifically into things. And I would say that this is one of those subjects. And so what I want to do today is I want to help us to wrestle down a question. I'm going to attempt to help us to wrestle down the answer to this question right here. How do I, as a Christ follower, engage with politics. Now, I get that there's going to be as many opinions potentially in this room as there are people. And so my hope is that we would all come to this conversation, that we would all come with a posture of listening and learning. Uh, I've done my best to discern what I believe the Lord wants me to tell you today for what it's worth. I had a, a completely different sermon prepped and ready to go today but I decided to switch gears because I believe there's something else that God wanted me to say. Now, for those of you that are joining us for the first time, or maybe you're new to all of this, I think it's worth me taking a moment and talking to you specifically. Maybe you're here today and you were invited and you're like, I'm still not sure about all this stuff. I'm still not sure about church. I'm still not sure about Jesus. I'm just kind of here. I've got my doubts and I'm not so certain that I'm ready to buy into what you guys are delivering. And potentially, listen to me, potentially one of the things that has kept you out of the church is how it handled politics. Or maybe the fact that it was too political. Maybe you saw churches that pivoted their influence in a political party. And maybe that alone is what kept you out of the church. And if that's you today, my hope is that this sermon is a breath of fresh air. Now, for the rest of us, again, like I said, I know that there potentially are as many opinions as there are people in here. Some of you would hope that I would say or wish that I would say more on the subject, and some of you wish that I would say less. Some of you don't even like the fact that I'm saying anything at all. Some of you might even believe that I should use this platform and my position to push a specific political party or candidate. 
And so what I thought I should do on the front end of this to keep you from kind of guessing where I'm at and where I stand, I thought I would start with a few foundational statements. Here's one. I believe. I believe it to be incredibly unhealthy and irresponsible for a church to align itself with a particular political party. And I believe when that happens, because we all know it happens, and maybe you've been a part of a church that did that, I believe when it happens, the church loses and the gospel loses. And here's why. No political party, listen to me, no political party will ever reflect the mission of the church and the heart of our Heavenly Father. And some of you may be saying, well, Aaron, but that's not what we're saying. We're not saying it's going to perfectly align with this political party, but this political party has, a, has the tendency to at least put forward the things that align with our faith more than that other political party. And here's what you may not be thinking through. There is a, an outside, unbelieving world that when we align a political party or even a candidate with our faith, with Christianity, there's an outside unbelieving world that looks at it because they don't know. They haven't had the conversations that we've had. They look at that and say, that's who represents Jesus? That's who represents the Christian faith? And so I believe when we do that, and when we align a political party or a candidate with our faith, with Christianity, with Jesus, the church loses. Guys, you know this. Jesus is not a Democrat. He's not a Republican. He's not a Libertarian. Some would say, man, he would never be a Democrat because of things like abortion. Or he would never be a Republican because he's not interested in helping the rich get richer. Or he's not a Libertarian because they just can't make up their mind. <laughs> church, listen, if we're looking for any political system to do what the church has been called to do, despite the government, oftentimes the church and the gospel loses. And so when we have this sentiment, let's just hire the right person, then all of our problems in Christianity will be taken care of. Never do we see that sentiment in the New Testament. And never should we see that sentiment today. And guys, listen, listen, listen. I get it. I get that you're passionate about some of these issues. And let me just use one. If you want to see abortion banned but you aren't willing to be available to console a woman who is scared to death because she's broken and she's broke and she feels hopeless and she feels like that's the only thing that she has left to do, whether it's legal or illegal. If you are just kind of standing at the fence and you're saying, well, yeah, but we need to have a law in place and we want to put that law in place so that we can say, no, 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 we're right and they're wrong, but you're not willing to walk with that woman through her brokenness. That's not the way of Jesus. That's just throwing stones. Now, for what it's worth, I want to let you know I'm deeply convicted about the right to life from the womb to the tomb. I believe all life is precious, but I'm not going to outsource my thinking and my bias for action to a politician or whether or not something is illegal or not. As followers of Jesus, we've been called to stand up, stand in, and stand for those who can't stand for themselves. Can I get an amen this morning? Now you might be thinking, listen to me, you might be thinking, there's potentially somebody thinking in here right now. It sounds like you're kind of playing down the importance of voting, and if that's you, I promise you, you are greatly mistaken. We are privileged to live in such an amazing country where so many freedoms and privileges are afforded to us. And you should absolutely approach those freedoms and those privileges with conviction and humility. But while we are proud to be Americans, for those of us that are Jesus followers, 
we need to recognize that we have a deeper loyalty and a much higher calling. While we may be grateful for things like the freedom of speech, our job really isn't to defend the freedom of speech. It's to help people find freedom in Christ. So, how do we do it? How do we do it? How do we as followers of Jesus stay united spiritually even though we may differ politically? I really do believe it begins with understanding that we have a much higher calling. Let me remind you of what Paul says when he writes his second letter to the Corinthian church. He says this, He, Jesus, he died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Don't miss this next line. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. Is anybody else thankful for that line alone this morning? And I want to let you know if you're watching online, if you're tuning in later, or there's someone in here this morning that you can have new life in Christ, regardless of what's in your rearview mirror, regardless of what you're bringing in through those doors this morning, regardless of how your story reads, God can give you a new life through Jesus this morning. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task. Here we go. Our higher calling. God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors and God is making his appeal through us. Don't miss that line. Think about every post that you've posted politically in the last three to six months. Think about every conversation you've had with a family member or neighbor or coworker. If God is trying to make his appeal for Jesus and new life through you, is how you're handling politics potentially becoming an obstacle to get them to Jesus? And if you're new here to Trace, you should know our greatest motivation here at Trace is to remove every obstacle to get you to Jesus because we can't do what he can do. And so we just want to remove obstacles so that we can get you to Jesus. Let me start that line over. So we are Christ's ambassador. God is making his appeal through us. He's not making his appeal through Donald Trump. He's not making his appeal through Joe Biden. He's not even making his appeal through Kanye West. I was proud to be an American when I saw that his name was literally on the ballot. <laughs> we speak for Christ when we plead. Come back to God. Man, as I was reading through this passage, I mean, man, I just wish I could stay in this passage all day and preach it because... I know there are so many of you and us and those watching that drifted. We all drift. I preached an entire sermon one time called Drift Happens, because it does. But the message is always available. The message is always there. The invitation is always there to come back to God, no matter how far you feel from him today. Come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Trace, the reason you will never hear me push any political candidate or party is because I never saw my leader do that. 
The reason I don't and I won't leverage this platform for the sake of politics is because Jesus never postured, positioned, or pushed for any politician. And if there were ever a time where it could have been justified, it would have been during the time of Christ. If you want to go back and read some of the horrific things that the Roman rulers and Caesars of his day, the things that they did, it was incredibly corrupt and corrosive to the culture around them. But should you vote with humility and conviction? Absolutely. I believe our faith, our our faith should play a role in our politics, but politics should never play a role in our faith. I'm going to shift gears for a second. Right now, I know there are people who are genuinely scared. Genuinely. They're genuinely scared if Trump wins, and some are genuinely scared if Biden wins. There are also people that are excited on both ends of the spectrum where it's like, man, they are ecstatic if we can get Trump to be elected for another four years. And then there are people who are ecstatic at the idea that Biden would come and bring the change that he said he's going to bring. Now listen to me. I have very close, well-respected friends who would say if Trump wins, they would say, God heard our prayers. We have someone in the White House that will have more of our conservative values. I'm so thankful this is going to be the greatest thing ever. Thank you, God, for hearing our prayers. We have a president that, yes, is not perfect, but he's pushing for policies that are more consistent with our values. And then I have other friends, well-respected Christian friends, who would say, I'm shocked that any Jesus follower could vote for someone who apparently tolerates or even advocates for hatred in the forms of bigotry, racism, verbal abuse, bullying, and beyond. Whether you agree with that or not, that's what the sentiment would be. And if Trump wins, they would walk away confused, concerned, and some even feeling traumatized. So what about us? As I'm thinking through where people are and how how big the spectrum is and how polarized this subject is. It's like, what is my response? What is our response? Jesus, what is it that you would want us to do in this particular situation? Here's the response I feel like God gave me. And this is one of the main reasons why I changed my sermon. Listen to me. This is a big statement. If we feel our Christian faith has been jeopardized because of a certain person getting voted as president, our faith has been compromised. Can I say it again? If we feel our Christian faith has been jeopardized because of a certain person getting voted as president, our faith has been compromised. But Aaron, what happens if this person gets elected and it causes more division? Or if this person gets elected and we lose some of our religious freedoms? I mean, come on. We're losing rights as Christians. We're going to get persecuted. Listen to me. If who we put in a political office brings some persecution in our direction, bring it on. I've been saying for a long time that the church in America needs some persecution to finally own up to what the gospel and what the, what the Bible is calling us to do and to be as Jesus followers. As Christians, some of the things that we may fear losing are things Christians in other countries like China and India have never even been afforded. Yet if you were to look at the church in those particular areas, you would see that it's flourishing. Why? Because they know if the gospel is going to go forward, it won't be on the back of politicians. It will be on the back of fully devoted followers of Jesus. Can I get an amen this morning? Let me say it this way. If what we say or do as Christians is determined by a political party or candidate, that'll be a path towards towards despair. If what we say or do as Christians is determined by a political party or candidate, that will be a path towards despair. Way too many Christians have outsourced their thinking and convictions to a very biased political system in media. 
And I don't care if you watch CNN, I don't care if you watch Fox News, I don't care if it's Don Lemon or Tucker Carlson. I promise you, you are getting biased and sometimes inaccurate information. Our truth, our truth, our marching orders comes from a much higher place. Let me read the paraphrase, the message paraphrase version of this when Paul is writing to his buddy Timothy. He says this, There's nothing like the written word of God for showing you the way to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Every part of scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Through the word, we are put together and shaped up for the tasks that God has for us. And those tasks, the tasks that God has for you and the ones that he has for me, they're not determined by who holds the office of president. They're not determined by human laws and a constitution as much as I value and appreciate those things. They're determined by the maker of heaven and earth. Should we show respect uh, to whoever's in the political office, whoever's president. Yes, and I was going to preach on Romans 13 today. If you want to read a disturbing passage of Scripture, go read Romans 13. Regardless of who is in office, they deserve our respect. And so just a heads up, whoever wins on Tuesday, we're going to pray for them next Sunday, whoever wins. And again, I'm not taking my advice or my cues from any of you. I'm taking my advice and cues from the Word of God. But our allegiance, listen to me, Our allegiance is to a man who had no servants, but they called him master. He had no greed, yet they called him teacher. He had no medicine, yet they called him healer. He had no army, yet kings feared him. He won no military battles, yet he conquered the world. He he had committed no crime, yet they crucified him. And he was buried in a tomb, yet he lives today. This is the man we support. This is the man that we give to. This is the man we get passionate about, we post about, we sing about except today because our worship team was quarantined. <clears throat> Josiah is going to do a little uh, medley after I'm done. Acapella, you ready for that? You got this? His name is Jesus. He's full of both truth and grace. He extends hope when life hurts. He runs after people that are far from him. He wants to empower every one of us to carry this message of love and reconciliation. On Tuesday, listen to me, on Tuesday, your political candidate is either going to win or lose. And this is huge, please listen. But the church wins or loses based on how we treat people on any given day. In John chapter 13, Jesus gave us a new command and he said that the best way that we will ever represent that our allegiance, our allegiance is to him is how we love one another. And just a few moments later, we read in John 17 that he prayed He prayed a specific prayer for something that would show an outside unbelieving world that he truly did have our allegiance. And I want to show you, I want you to hear from him personally. This is what Jesus said in John chapter 17. He said, I'm praying not only for these disciples, which were the disciples in front of him, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That's us. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As I, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, may they be in us so that, everybody say, so that. So that the world will believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity 
that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Our unity, church, our unity brings clarity to the Father's love. And so can I just ask you a question based on how you've approached this particular election, based on the conversations that you've had and the posture that you've taken, have you potentially brought any division to the unity that Jesus said will point to the Father's love. I'm not saying that we should all be on the same page politically, but how do we potentially differ politically but stand firm spiritually? I think we do that by remembering that we have a much higher calling and that we have a written word of God in front of us that gives us our marching orders and our instructions. We don't take it from the media and we don't take it from politics. Let me be clear, unity is not uniformity. But our unity brings clarity to the Father's love. Here in a few moments, we're going to have an extended time for communion and prayer. And one of the questions that I want you to wrestle with this morning is a big one. Have you potentially created a version of faith, a version of faith that supports your politics? Have you potentially tweaked this and said this and, hey, I'll leave that one out because that one doesn't help my, my motivation. And now you've created a version of faith so that you can win arguments, so that you can make sure that you see that your political candidate is the more spiritual one or that the one that God endorses. And if potentially you've done that, can I just say, be careful. And spend some time with your Heavenly Father today and evaluate yourself and evaluate your mind and your soul. And with this question, have you potentially created a version of faith that supports your politics? Because if this is true, then it's likely that people have become pawns for you in this game of life where we want to prove our point. And sometimes slaughter relationships in the process of just showing people, I'm right and you're wrong. Because as, I'm sorry, Because as followers of Jesus, it is our job and it's our responsibility to flip this script because how we treat people, regardless of how they vote, is actually the point. It's the point in which we show our allegiance, not to a politician, but to the person of Jesus Christ. So, let me conclude with this. If you were to go read Hebrews chapter 12 right now. It makes a statement that I hope you kind of use and you allow it to be part of your meditation time and our response time here in just a few moments. Again, we're going to have an extended time of prayer and meditation uh, around communion, around the cross. I think that's the best thing we can do today, honestly. But in Hebrews 12, it says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and now sits down at the right hand of the throne of God. Regardless of who holds the office of president, can I remind you this morning that the creator of heaven and earth holds the world in his hand, and he is in control. Let me pray. Father, Uh, Lord, I pray that something that you have said and spoken through me this morning would help to get the attention of someone who maybe needs some course correction 
Or maybe uh, we have been putting too much stock into a political system that is flawed. And so God, I know it plays a part. Like I really, it plays a part. I think uh, the Christians should be involved uh, in politics, but that politics should not be involved and guide our faith. And so God, I pray that you would help us to course correct this morning. And as Josiah leads us through a time of reflection, a time to bring our attention back to the cross, to make sure that we remember who our allegiance is supposed to be to, that we have different marching orders, that regardless of what laws are in place or what political candidates are in charge, God, that we have been given a mission that should never be deterred by anything political. And so God, help us this morning, help us to have the right posture and the right position. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.